You're listening to The Raven and the Writing Desk, the weekly podcast about the writings of Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. This is episode 105. Hey there, folks, it's Chris. I'm back from Balticon. I have not had a chance to write a script for this week's episode yet, so this is going to be a little extemporaneous. If you hear a rumbling sound in the background, that is Jewel, my cat, who will not leave me alone for five minutes since I got back, because I was away for so long. Yes. So today I'm bringing you guys the audio from the Metamore City Live performance at Balticon 51. This is Rafa Kaliri and the Vampire's Bargain. We have a wonderful cast who you will hear introduce themselves at the beginning of the story. This is a pretty long piece, so I'm not going to have any extra commentary afterwards. I did start writing again this week. I started working on The Lost and the Least again after taking all of May off from writing. This is the first time I've taken a month off since I started doing this in 2015. But between getting ready for Balticon and getting the audiobook ready for publication for Divine Intervention, that kind of ate up all my creative time during the month of May. Okay, you can go down. She wants to be picked up, and then she wants to be let down. (sighs) Anyway, May was busy with all kinds of business stuff for Liminal Corvid, and good stuff is happening. Audio versions for Divine Intervention and Things Unseen are both on sale now on Audible. If you are a book reviewer and you would like to do a review of one of these audiobooks for me, I really need reviews. It's what uh, drives the algorithms on Amazon and helps them to know who to show these books to. So please, 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 if you are interested in getting a free review copy in exchange for a review, I can give those to you. Just get in touch with me, metamorecityfeedback at gmail.com or message me on Facebook or on Twitter. I'm Etherius, E-T-H-E-R-I-U-S. Get in touch with me. And I will get you a copy to review for either Things Unseen or Divine Intervention, but especially Divine Intervention, because I only have one review so far, and it's going to need a lot more than that if the book's going to take off. So that's all that I have uh, for this week. We'll play the episode, and then we'll have the outro, and uh, you can get in touch with me in all the usual places. And next week, I will have an interview that I did with the Dead Robot Society with Terry Mixon and Paul Cooley. It was a good interview, and uh, I think you guys will enjoy it. So that'll be coming your way next week. Uh, Until then, enjoy the show. All right, well, thank you, everybody, for coming to Metamore City Live. It's great to have you here. What's that? It's good to have you here, too. Oh, thank you, yes. <laughs> We've been doing these uh, live shows for Lauren. Lauren. the last nine years. Yay, Lauren. <laughs> Your seat, madame. Oh, and she was smart. She wore armor today. I did. <laughs> I armed myself. So the character that... How many of you guys have heard any of the Metamore City Live shows before this? Almost everybody. Who's never been to a Metamore City Live show before? Thank you for coming. Have you guys listened to any of the stories before? 
Yes. Okay. So this is a high fan. This is a high tech fantasy world um, where magic and technology have grown up side by side. And uh, the story that you're going to be hearing today features some recurring characters from the books and from previous Metamorcity live shows. They sh you shouldn't need to know about those previous shows in order to enjoy this one. The detective character in this story is named Rafak Aliri. He is a Luton, which is a little green-skinned, hardy Northlander species of humanoid. And uh, he has come to the big city of Metamore City in order to make a life among the humans, because that's where the economic activity is. That's where you can make a decent living. So you're going to be hearing about one of Rafak's cases. And this is Rafak Aliri and the Vampire's Bargain. Metamore Studios proudly presents Metamore City, a podcast series written and performed by Chris Lester. For show notes and author contact information, please visit metamorecity.com. Featuring the vocal talents of Chris Lester as Rafa Galeri, Veronica Jaguer as Betty, a daydream. Doc Coleman as Baldur, a male werewolf. August Greppin as Young Raph in a flashback to his childhood. Lauren Scribe Harris as Grandma Yazi. Mildred, <clears throat> Mildred Keeney as Amelie Grace, a vampire priestess. Kev Sajot as Dagmar, a female werewolf. Lauren Nicole Spencer as Tofa, a werewolf alpha female. When I was a kid, a little green-skinned Luton boy growing up in the wilds of Inulutnaka. My grandma Yazu took me out to the mountains outside the village. It wasn't really a mountain, more just a hill, but it was the tallest thing for miles around. Grandma led me up the hill to the top, where we had this lookout post. We'd go up there all the time, and she'd point out the rivers and the forests and the fields, mapping out our territory, giving me the lay of the land. This one day, though, she caught me in a lie. I don't even remember what it was about, except it was something small, stupid, selfish. When I got caught, I thought she was going to whip me. But instead, she led me up the hill. And this time, it was different. What are we doing up here, Grandma? Look down at your feet, Rafak. What do you see? The hill? Dig your hands into the dirt. Tell me what you find. There's lots of little rocks and dirt. Yes, and if you keep kept digging, you'd dig all the way to the bottom of the mountain and find nothing but little rocks and dirt. Do you know why? No. Our tribe built this mountain, Rafak. Whenever our males went out hunting, whenever they went to they would bring back stones from wherever they traveled. They would add them to this spot by the river. At first, it was only a pile of rocks. But then, it became a hillock. And then, it was a mountain. Wow! But the mountain does not stand on its own, Rafak. It must be tended. Wind and rain blow away the stones, wash away. If we neglect it, it crumbles. Every member of the tribe 
stone upon stone at the end of your life, wherever, whether it is greater or smaller, depends on you. Do you understand? I think so. Good. That was the easy part of the lesson. This part is harder because there is another mountain the tribe builds, but it is a mountain you cannot see. It lives in your heart and in your spirit. It is our tribe's honor. Do you understand honor? Is it like what people think about you? Whether you're a good person? Almost. Your reputation is what other people know about you. Honor is what you know about yourself. Like this mountain, you will inherit our tribe's honor from the fathers and mothers who came before you. And like the mountain, it must be tended. When you are brave, when you keep your word, when you bring food to the sick and the aged, when you show respect to the spirits, these things are the stones that you add to the mountain. But when you do not do these things, when you are cowardly or dishonest or selfish or irreverent, then you steal our honor from us, from me, from your parents, from your ancestors. I, I do? Yes, Rafak, you do. That stone in your hand, throw it into the river. But, but somebody carried it here to be part of our mountain. Yes, throw it into the river. Grandma. Throw it. Yeah. Your lies have stolen a piece of our tribe's honor. When you are older and wiser, you will replace it. Just as you will replace that stone, you are still too young to earn honor for yourself, Rafak. So take better care of the honor you have been given. Do not throw away our mountain. Yes, Grandma. I learned an important lesson that day. I wish I could say it stuck for good. But honor's a slippery thing. Sometimes it slips away when you're not looking. I got a reminder of that 30 odd years later. The trouble started one morning in August when I came back to my office after an evening of spying. I'd been working for the last few months for one Amelie Grace, the vampire priestess for the Church of Eternal Brotherhood. That's sort of the official religion for the Vampire Crime Syndicate, and all the vamps and their ghouls, thralls, and assorted flunkies all have to pay their proper respects to Ms. Grace. But Ms. Grace had a sideline that the Syndicate didn't know about. For the past few years, she'd been in cahoots with a rival crime boss called the White Widow, who was trying to horn in on the Syndicate's turf. Ms. Grace liked to say she was a monster who hunted other monsters, and the biggest monster of all, Malcomod Valos, the syndicate crime lord. He was number one on her list. Me, I didn't care much about vampire politics. Ms. Grace was just a steady paycheck for my, vamp my private eye business. I'd been spending years scrabbling for work, trying to make ends meet, and coming up short more than half the time. Ms. Grace had changed that. I could spy on her enemies in the syndicate, pass some messages back and forth to her friends in the widow's organization, mostly stay out of trouble. It was a pretty sweet setup. And hey, 
The rent got paid on time every month. Needless to say, couldn't last. Very beautiful. How's my favorite secretary? It's going really good, boss. Look, your client brought me a present. A guinea pig. I don't know where to start with that. <laughs> There's a client here now? Already? Yeah. She's waiting in your office. I'm not supposed to say her name, but she's our favorite customer. <laughs> oh, spirits. All right, I'll go talk to her. <coughs> Look, Betty, I can tell you're excited about this, but we're not really supposed to have animals in the office. The landlord could charge us an extra deposit. Oh, don't worry, boss. I break for lunch in just a few hours. He'll never even know it was here. I see. Who's <laughs> a good little piggy? Who's oh, a tasty, tasty piggy? Is it you? Yes. Yes, it is. I'm not. I'm just going to go in my office. <laughs> That is just wrong. <laughs> Perhaps, but I never try to judge another person's eating habits. Hello, Larry. Ms. Amelie Grace, this is quite a surprise. Aren't you up way past your bedtime? We vampires can move around in daylight, as long as we keep to the shadows, and there is no shortage of cover here on the street. True. Still, you're taking a big risk coming back here. What if your enemies in the Vampire Syndicate find out you came to visit me? Won't they start asking why the priestess of the Church of Eternal Brotherhood needs to hire a detective? It is a risk, but in this case I judged it necessary. I wish to expand on our usual arrangement, and for that I felt we should be face to face. All right, ma'am. I gotta admit you've turned into one of my best customers, so what can I do for you? Have you ever heard of the town Bitestod? Can't say that I have. It's an old mining town in the Giant Downs province, a few hours northeast of here. It is also one of the few permanent settlements inside the forest known as the Merc. Okay, now that I've heard of. That whole forest is supposed to be cursed, isn't it? Not cursed, Mr. O'Leary, but there is a nexus that connects to the second hell. It is a potent source of death mana, which is why the Vampire Queen values it so highly. And I can imagine. Death Man is a natural booster for you vampires and all your abilities. So what's the deal with Bitestad? A few years ago, the Syndicate made a deal with the town elders to build a mana conduit through their territory. The goal was to collect death mana from the Nexus and transport it to Metamore, where the Syndicate can make use of it. Currently, the mana has to be loaded into batteries and then carried south on train cars, which are more vulnerable and prone to accidents. Yeah, from what I hear, conduits ain't the safest thing in the world either. Wasn't there a big mana spill from the conduit in Erebob last winter? Killed a few hundred people, from what I remember. Not to mention what it did to the land around it. There are always risks, yes. But modern civilization needs mana to function, and conduits are by far the safest mode of transport. Okay, so what do you need me for? I need you to investigate a death in Bitestad. Olaf Johansson was a foreman on the team constructing the conduit. He's also the son of Tofa Johansson, 
one of the town elders. All right, uh, give me a second here. I'm gonna write this down. Olaf Johansson. Okay, so uh, what happened to him? That's the question, Mr. O'Leary. All I know is that he died, and his construction firm says that it was an accident. My request for further details have not been answered to my satisfaction. Okay. I gotta ask, what's your stake in this? Sorry. Okay. Why does the priestess of the vampire church care what happened to some guy in a little town hundreds of kilometers away? As you well know, Mr. O'Leary, the syndicate's influence is far-reaching. If we ever hope to remove Malcolm Arvalas from his throne as the crime lord of Menor City, we must build in alliances that are just as broad. Tova Johansson is a formidable woman in a strategically valuable position. If I can help her solve her son's murder, it could be the start of a valuable friendship. Uh-huh. And you can't go yourself because you don't want the syndicate knowing you're mixed up in the business up there. Precisely. I will give you a letter to deliver to Tofa, explaining our proposed partnership. Give it to her once you have discovered the reason for her son's death. That should help convince her of the utility of our alliance. All right. Listen, Miss Grace, <coughs> I really do value your business, but this is a big step outside my comfort zone. I haven't been back to the Northlands in a long time, and murder cases are tricky in the best of times. There's a good chance I could root around up there for weeks and not find anything. I hate turning down a job, but you might want to consider hiring somebody more local for this one. I appreciate your candor, Mr. O'Leary. And if I knew anyone local whom I could trust with a mission this sensitive, I would use them. Unfortunately, everyone in Beidstadt is either a syndicate employee or else highly suspicious of both city folk and vampires. My presence there would be unwelcome, even if I could travel there without attracting notice. But the people of Beidstadt have always had friendly relations with the local Luton tribes. As strange as it might seem to you, you are the ideal ambassador for a mission such as this. If you say so. <sighs> I'm gonna need a two-week retainer to get started on this, plus 50% hazard pay. Easily done. And one more thing. Given the risk of syndicate involvement, you should bring a bodyguard. I recommend your secretary. <coughs> Betty? Are you out of your mind? I don't even let her leave the office. <laughs> the people of Bikestad respect strength, Mr. O'Leary. With your Daedra at your side, not only will she keep you safe, but they will be more likely to listen to you. No. No can do. Look at her. She walks out that front door, Inside of two minutes, people are running and screaming. <laughs> oh, spirits. Betty, hon, are you eavesdropping? I'm trying not to be mean, doll, but it's... Ralph! Ralph! I've been cursed! Betty? Spirits, what happened? You look like a human. Well, mostly human. There's maybe some ogre in there, too. <laughs> it was the Yeti pig. I wasn't supposed to eat it till lunch, but it just looked so tasty, and I was hungry, and... Oh, Ralph! I've become cursed by the ghost of the guinea pig. <laughs> it cursed me to become a, 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 a human. Oh, Ralph, what am I going to do? Calm down, Betty. Calm down. I don't think this is permanent. Is it, Ms. Grace? Not at all. 
The enchantment should last for a few weeks, long enough for you to conclude your investigation and bite's done. You did this to me! I'm going to tear out your wrinkled little heart and feed it to you, you vampire skag! Betty, stop! I'm going to kill a rat! No, you're not. Remember this? My soul stone? That ain't fair, Raph. Of course it is. I have your soul stone. I activated it. I made the bargain with you. That means I make the rules, remember? You don't like it, you can go back in the stone. And believe me, I can put it somewhere nobody's going to find it again for another 2,000 years. Is that what you want? No. Good. Because I don't mean I need you, Betty. Help me do this job, and I promise I'll get you back to your beautiful self. But I can't do anything for you if you kill my customers, okay? <laughs> okay. Next time, Miss Grace, ask before you put any enchantments on me and my staff. And my hazard bonus just went up to 100%. As you wish, Mr. O'Leary, stay safe, both of you. I'll be in touch. I'll be in touch. Bitch, I'll touch you right in your stupid, pretty face. <laughs> Sorry, boss. So, we're going on a field trip, huh? Looks that way, beautiful. Go pack us a bag. I'm going to do some research before we go. Right away, boss. And Betty? Yeah? We're going to have to get you some clothes. <laughs> clothes? Oh, damn it, being a human sucks. <laughs> Betty and I boarded the maglev train at City Central and rode north to Cardale. From there, we got on an old-fashioned locomotive that took us east into the hill country. Betty seemed a lot happier to be out of the vacuum tubes and looking out the window at open sky. Just the same, I kept her soul stone in my pocket and never far from my fingers. I've never had her around so many people before, but for now, at least, she seemed to be doing okay. Three hours later, we pulled into town in Bitesdad. There wasn't a whole lot of town to pull into. The train station was mostly set aside for loading cargo. I'm not really a train guy, so I wasn't sure what the different cars were supposed to be carrying, but I could tell there weren't too many being used for people. As for the town itself, it looked like we'd stepped a couple of hundred years back in time. Dirt roads, wooden buildings, rusted old ground cars. If a horse and buggy had pulled into town square, I wouldn't have been too surprised. And up on the mountainside looking over the town, I could see dozens of holes burrowed into the rock, all connected to narrow little sets of train tracks winding down to the station. Well, looks like somebody was doing a lot of digging, boss. What do you think they were looking for? Yeah, according to the articles I found, this was an important copper mine for a few hundred years. It started to play out about 30 years ago, though. Most of the ore that's left ain't worth digging for. Hey, look! There's some guys up there pushing a cart into the mine. Yeah, the mine's all small-time operators now. A bunch of chumps hoping that if they dig through enough rock, they'll find a big chunk of copper or silver nobody's gotten to yet. Mostly, they get a bunch of rock they can sell to the smelters for a few cents a kilo. <laughs> Hell of a way to make a living. So, that's why the town wants that conduit thingy. They get money from it. Yeah, the conduit collects mana at the Nexus, and then the folks at the other end pay the town for however much they use. Why? Why what? Why do they pay the town for that mana? 
Well, because the nexus is on their land. The conduit goes through their territory. Oh. No, wait. I still don't get it. Okay, look. Imagine you need uh, chickens. I am. Right. <laughs> so there's a farmer, and he's got a bunch of chickens on his farm. Right, right. And you'd like to have some of his chickens. What do you do? I take the chickens. No, no. <laughs> you can't just take the chickens. They're on his land. They belong to him. What do you do? Uh, I kill the farmer, take the land, <laughs> and then they're my chickens. <sighs> yeah, well, I guess that's the way it used to work. <laughs> it's different now. Why? Never mind. Let's go have a look around town before it gets too dark. Okay. Hey, Raph? Yeah? Now I want chicken. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. We did a loop of the town, asked a few locals some questions, and found our way to the construction site just outside of town. An elevated metal pipe, more than a meter in diameter, ran off into the darkness of the woods. Monitoring crystals built into the side of the tubes glowed with a soft purple light, which gradually pulsed brighter and fainter while I watched. I can sense magic a little, thanks to a bit of the old shaman blood. Let me tell you, what I felt inside that pipeline was nothing good. Death mana feels like a cold sweat on your back, a bit of medicine on the back of your tongue, and smell like rotten meat. Or at least that's how it is for me. The stuff in that conduit was strong, and there was a lot of it. It was the end of the workday, so most of the construction team had already gone off the clock, but we got lucky and caught a couple of workers from Olaf's team. One was male, the other was female, but they were both more than twice my height, probably four times my mass, and looked like the kind of Northlanders who throw tree trunks around for fun. Hey, Dagma, check out the new blood. Well, well, what do we have here? The Boston tell me we're against a good-looking new recruit. Oh, well, I'm very flattered, ma'am, but I'm not here. I like a woman with muscles bigger than mine. Don't see him too often. What do you say, hot stuff? You down to wrestling? Oh, I like wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> Last time I did it, I got in trouble for biting, though. <laughs> Sounds like just my style. <laughs> Excuse me. Hi, Rafa Galeri, private investigator at your service. This is my partner, Betty. Hi. Investigators? What is this? Bet you they hear from corporate. Probably trying to figure out a way to weasel out of paying Olaf's family. Now you listen here, Greedy. Olaf worked his tail off for you clowns. That life insurance is the least you can do for his poor family. Easy, ma'am. Easy. Not here from corporate. I just want to find out what happened to Olaf. Why? Who are you working for? I'm sorry, I can't tell you that. Client confidentiality. I'll tear out your lying tongue and eat you, little bat. Is it time to wrestle now? Let me go. Aw, can't do it, honey. Nobody eats Raph except me. <laughs> Damn, you are strong. Yep. Oh, did you want me to bite you now? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe later. <laughs> All right, hot stuff, you can put me down. I won't eat your little sidekick. Much obliged. Look, I get why you're suspicious, but I was hired by a, well, let's call him a neutral third party. Somebody who wants to help out Olaf's family. In exchange for a favor from the town elders later? I couldn't say, but that seems like a reasonable assumption. 
All we care about is finding the truth. And chicken. And chicken, yes. <laughs> Sorry, my partner hasn't eaten in four hours, and as you can tell, she's a big girl. <laughs> so she is. Well then, let's get some food and ale into you and see what we can tell you. You sure about this, Dagma? They could still be lying. Don't be silly. If corporate sends somebody, they'd have a better cover story than these two. Besides, wrestling! <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you say, Dag. You two, follow us. They took us to a local bar, for more of a tavern, really. And after a few pints, I managed to shake the story loose. Olaf was out walking the line of conduit, looking for leaks. We've got a good crew, and they don't happen very often, but sometimes you get a bad fitting or a valve breaks on one of the overflow stations. You've got to catch it fast. Because the death mana can do a lot of damage. I can believe it. I could feel the mana in those pipes from ten meters away. Why is the conduit already full when it ain't finished yet? Well, there's two reasons. One, you don't know if it's built right if you don't test it under pressure. But the bigger reason is the mana batteries at the overflow stations. They're supposed to be there to even out the flow when the conduit's finished. You know, they soak up the extra when the mana flows higher than normal. And if the flow drops, they can feed it back out again. Right, but there's nowhere for the mana to flow to. The pipe's not finished. It's just got a cap at the end. Those batteries must be filling up in no time. Exactly. So then corporate picks up the full batteries, swaps them for empty ones, and puts them on the train back to Metamore. It's a lot faster than carrying them all the way to the Nexus. Safer, too. In theory. Right. What happened to Olaf, anyway? He said he was getting a funny reading from one of the overflow stations. He went to check it out. Half an hour later, one of the mana batteries overloaded and burst. Killed Olaf and everything within 30 meters. Spirits. What happened? Why would the battery explode? Who knows? Accidents happen, man. I had a buddy who got killed in the mines a few years back. Wasn't the explosives or a cave-in or anything like that. You know what did him? Gas. Pocket of natural gas seeping up from underground. Can't smell it, can't see it. One minute you're fine, then next, bam, you pass out. Nothing you can do. No, except carry a canary. A what? You know, a canary. Oh, come on, even I know that one, and I haven't been in a mine in my life. What Dag's saying is... We do dangerous work. And sometimes people get killed. That's life, my little friend. If it's your time, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, maybe. Where did you say this blowout happened? Uh, overflow station 23. It's about two clicks away. You'll have to ask permission from the boss to go up there, though. The conduit's off of the cities. Thank you. That's very important information to know. <laughs> Naturally, Betty and I headed for the conduit. No official escort was going to let us poke around like we needed to. And if Olaf got killed because of some kind of corporate screw-up, then I didn't want to give them the chance to cover the tracks. Two kilometers outside of town, the conduit was protected by nothing more than a three-meter fence and some warning signs. A quick climb up and over, and we were on our way. Betty, stay close. There's a lot of nasty critters in this forest. I don't want them to get any ideas. 
I can take care of myself, boss. I know you can. I meant about me. <laughs> Grandma Yazoo used to tell me stories about the Merc. I never thought I'd be crazy enough to come here, especially not after dark. If it's that dangerous, why was a human out here alone in the middle of the night? That is a very good question. Here's one of those overflow stations. This one says 24, so I guess the next one up must be 23. Come on. Wait. What is it? Oh, there are a lot of dead things up ahead. N not the tasty kind either, just dead, dead. Sounds like we're in the right spot. Yeah, but something else is out there too. Something watching us. I don't like it. Well, it's probably just one of the forest animals. Let's just make it quick. You're the boss, boss. It didn't take long to find the dead things Betty was talking about. Thirty meters out from the station, the undergrowth and leaf litter were replaced by a fine gray powder. It was like ash, only there was no burnt smell to it. That dirt could have come from the moon. Nothing lived in it, and nothing could. I got the shivers just touching the stuff. So this is what death mana does. I know, it's terrible. Oh, there's no blood left over, no meat. Most of the time they don't even have time to scream. It's such a waste. <laughs> Look, there's a shadow on the ground here. This must be where Olaf was standing when the blast hit him. Poor bastard. Hey boss, look at this. One of these battery sockets is empty. Huh. I must have taken out the defective one after it blew up. Uh, th this is weird. You see this, boss? Scratches on the metal. Maybe from the tool they used to take off the battery? Look at how heavy these fittings are. It probably takes a lot of torque to get the batteries on and off. Uh, these don't look like tool marks to me. Yeah, well, your engineering knowledge is still about 2,000 years out of date, Betty. Humans come up with all kinds of crazy-looking machines. Does one of them look like my claws? Wait, what? Look at my hand, boss. Normally, my claws would be up to about here, right? Right. So, say I wrap my hand around the top of one of these batteries, like this. You see where my claws would go? Up over the socket. And then if you squeeze down like you were going to twist it off... I'd leave marks that looked a lot like that. Huh. Something with big claws removed the battery. Must have been crazy strong. I didn't see anybody with claws in town. Yeah, I don't think you get a lot of metamorph-style theriomorphs moving this far north. But I don't think I ever met a theriomorph whose claws could scratch steel, either. So what did this? Raph! <coughs> There's something coming! It's hard to give you an accurate picture of the thing that came out of the woods. I can say it looked like a wolf, but bigger. But that doesn't do justice to what it felt like. It's like saying a greatsword is like a bigger knife, or a dragon is like a bigger lizard, or a senator is a bigger con artist. <laughs> you scale things up enough, and you're in a whole different category from where you started. Its shoulders were as tall as a human. Its paws were the size of dinner plates. Its jaws were big enough that it could have bit me in half. 
its eyes were bright and aware, like a lutens or a humans, but there was a wildness to them that our people lost a long time ago. In my native tongue, we call these things Uglurapakt, the wolf that hunts alone, or in the common tongue, Direwolf. Um, boss, any chance you can give me my claws back? If I knew how to end the spell, Penny, I would. It's a lot bigger than me. Yeah, I noticed that. What's it doing? Why is it just circling us? I don't know. They, they're supposed to be smart, right? You think it can understand us? Maybe. Just because they're smart doesn't mean they all understand common. Good point. Excuse me, Mr. Direwolf? <laughs> That's a girl wolf, Raph! It is? Are you sure it's so big? I think I can tell the difference, Raph. <laughs> Madam Direwolf, ma'am, uh, I don't know if you can understand me, but my partner and I didn't mean to wander into your territory. We'll leave right away if you'll give us passage to go. It's not growling anymore. That's good, right? I hope so. She's still watching us, though. Raph, get behind me. If she attacks, you run for the fence. I'll hold off for as long as I can. I... Spirits, Betty. I, I don't know what to say. Don't say nothing, Raph. You've taken good care of me. Now, I take care of you. That's the deal, remember? Yeah, I know, but still. Hey, wait. Look, she's backing away. Did you see what she just did with her nose? It's like she was pointing back toward town. Enough for me. Let's get out of here. Uh, thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Is she following us? Don't know. Look back. Don't run. Keep walking, calmly, away. We got back to town without anything else trying to eat us, and checked into our room for the night. <coughs> there was only the one inn in town, and it felt like every eye on the place was on us as we got our keys and went upstairs. If I never see a monster like that again, it'll be too soon. At least she let us go. Yeah. This whole thing is weird, though. If that conduit runs through her territory, why hasn't she attacked the workers? Why is she still there when this death manna flowing through that pipe? Even if it's not enough to scare her, it should at least drive off the prey. Yeah. She smelled funny, too. Funny how? I don't know. It's been a long time since I smelled a dire wolf, but something about it seemed different. I don't know. Maybe I'm just remembering wrong. Could have been the death man around here. The murk can have some weird effects on the animals that live in it. Yeah, maybe. And if the Nexus makes animals act weird anyway, maybe that's why she wasn't bothered by the conduit. That's a good point. You know something, Benny? You're a pretty good sounding board for this stuff. 
I should talk to you about our cases more often. Oh, thanks, boss. Just trying to help. <clears throat> well, I uh, guess we should get some sleep. Not much more we can do tonight, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Good. Good idea. You go ahead and sleep, boss. I'll make sure nobody messes with you. I'll just sit over here in the corner and watch. Um, you know, Betty, with that human body, you might have to sleep too. <laughs> Don't be silly. I'm fine. Go ahead and sleep. I'll watch. Right. Good night, Betty. Nighty night, boss. Sweet dreams. When I was a kid, I used to have nightmares about monsters waiting outside my hut. Now I was a grown male and I had a monster of my very own in my bedroom. <laughs> I'd be lying if I said it didn't freak me out a little. But in a weird way, after the night we just had, it was also strangely comforting. Betty and I were having breakfast the next morning when Dagmar came and found us at the inn. Hey there, Betty. I missed you after you left last night, and I thought we were going to wrestle. Uh, the boss and I had work to do. Maybe tonight can come see me when you're done with your work. Your boss has got to sleep sometime, right? Dagmar, is there something we can do for you? Not for me, but yeah, I got a message for you. Topa Johansson wants a meeting. Does she? That's all of mom, isn't it? And we're the elders, yeah. She's waiting for you at the town hall. Great. We'll be right over. Don't take too long. Tofa doesn't like to be kept waiting. See you later, hot stuff. I'll be at the bar after work. Come find me and I'll make it worth your while. That woman must really love wrestling. <laughs> we finished up our meal in a hurry and hustled over to the town hall. It wasn't much of a building, so it didn't take long to find Ms. Johansson's office. Even before we opened the door, though, Betty was on a high alert. Raph, you smell that? No, what? The dire wolf. It was here. Inside a building? That makes no sense. You sure that enchantment didn't cross some of your wires or something? The nose don't lie, boss. That wolf was here. Okay, one more mystery for the pile, I guess. Come on, Miss Johansson's waiting. Miss Johansson? It's Rafa Galeri, ma'am. You asked to see me? Mr. O'Leary. Good. Come in. Yes, ma'am. Tofa Johansson was the kind of lady who could make the most arrogant, womanizing skag on the planet suddenly remember his manners. She was nearly two meters tall, for one thing and she looked like she had another 50 kilos of muscle even over Dagmar. Her eyes were steel gray and steel sharp. Her mouth disapproved of things you hadn't even thought of doing yet. <laughs> but more than any of that, she had a presence about her, an air of authority. Among my people, women like that control the homesteads that the men return to after months of hunting and raiding, and there is no question about who is in charge when they get back. <laughs> Now, Betty. Sit. Yes, ma'am. Betty, the nice lady asked us to sit. Mm -hmm. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
We don't get many outsiders here. Please explain what you were doing out at the conduit last night. Well, um, after we got into town, we went to look for people who worked for the <coughs> Sun Olaf. That's where we met Balder and Dagmar. That is not what I meant. After dark, you went to the spot where my son died. Why? I... I was hired to find out why he died. <laughs> I didn't hire you. Who did? I'm supposed to tell you everything, ma'am, but not until I find out the truth. Sorry, ma'am. My employer was very clear on this. I do not like surprises, Mr. O'Leary. I do not like intrusions into my personal life, and I do not like spies. You are all three. I strongly urge you to tell me your business here before I do something we will both regret. Like turning back into a wolf? What? <laughs> I wasn't sure at first, but then you got angry and the smell got a lot stronger. <laughs> You're the wolf we met out in the woods. That is, <clears throat> that is a foolish notion. <laughs> Werewolves were always terrible liars. So is it just you or the whole town? Spirits, that would explain a lot. I thought it was crazy that anybody would build a town inside the murk, but the forest magic gives you power, doesn't it? This is holy ground for you. The vampires sent you, didn't they? You are meant to be another insulting thorn in my side. Actually, I think our boss wants to figure out what the syndicate's up to around here. If Olaf's death wasn't an accident, he probably learned something they didn't want him to know. Like what? Don't know, but I bet you anything it's got something to do with that conduit. Maybe the Syndicate's planning to screw you over somehow. The vampires are always plotting treachery. We protect the wild places. They have the cities. That is the way our queen intended it. We were supposed to be equal partners, but the city never stops growing never stops taking. They are parasites, like the vampires themselves. Okay, so why are you doing business with them? Why let them build the conduit? Because the world runs on money, Mr. O'Leary, and we have very few ways of getting it here, especially since the mines played out. My people have been seduced by the human world. They want ale and television and the world net. For these things, we need money. The vampires have a lot of it. Fair enough, ma'am. Since you've got us here, do you mind if I ask you some questions? If it will get you out of my town more quickly, then ask away. When we were out at the overflow station, we saw that the ruptured battery had been removed. It looked like somebody with claws had twisted it off with their bare hands. Was that your doing? No. And the work crews had proper tools for that. I watched them remove it the morning after my son was killed. Maybe somebody did something to the battery and put it back. Those claw marks could have been made earlier. Made it look like an accident. Yeah, it could be. How many werewolves are in your pack? There are 33 adults who can fully control their shifting. 20 of them are involved with the conduit in one way or another. Okay. 
That's a pretty big group of suspects, but we can probably narrow it down. Can you get us access to the control station for the conduit? Baldur said Olaf was checking on some kind of malfunction. I want to see if we can retrace his steps. Maybe figure out who else was in the area. Hmm. You know, that's not a bad idea. All right, Mr. O'Leary. Follow me. The control station for the mana conduit was the newest, shiniest, and most heavily secured building in Bytestad. We had to go through metal detectors just to get inside, and I'm pretty sure the guards were all syndicate mooks from Menomore City. They sure didn't seem too happy to see Tofa, but they didn't give her any trouble either. I guess when you can change into a quarter-ton rage monster at the drop of a hat, people keep their negative feelings to themselves. <laughs> This is the main control station. Don't ask me what any of this stuff does, because I have no idea. Balder! Elder Tofa and Mr. O'Leary, uh, this is a surprise. What can I do for you? Mr. O'Leary's got questions about the night Olaf died. You'll be able to answer them better than I can. I can try. Balder's our local tech whiz. Corporate wanted to bring their own people into the conduit, but I insisted on sending one of ours. He spent two years learning everything the vamps could teach him about their systems. I'd wager he knows them better than they do now. Is that so? He's a wolf, all right. You're too kind, Elda. <laughs> it's been a long time since anyone's accused me of that. Answer their questions, pup. Call me if you need anything. Yes, ma'am. So, Mr. O'Leary, I hear you've been busy. I'm always busy when I'm on the clock, Bolden. I went to see the data from Station 23 on the night Olaf died. Of course. Just follow me over to this terminal here. So, you spent two years working with the vamps in Metamorph? That must have been something. I grew up on the steps, so I know how overwhelming the city can get. <laughs> Overwhelming? It was freedom. Do you have any idea how stifling it is living out here? Everything's old. There's nothing to do except hunt and get drunk. <laughs> I hear you. Where I come from, they still live in huts made out of caribou hide. Not to mention the matriarch breathing down your neck about every damn little thing. Exactly. The elders are all stuck on keeping things the same around here. All because they don't want to face the real world. But Tova seems to be supporting the conduit. Finally, yeah. Then only because she thinks the money it brings in is going to help her hold on to power. You think she's wrong about that? I think the world's changing faster than people like Elda Tofa realize. You can either be a part of that change, or you can get run over by it. Now, let's see here. Let me call up the records from that night. This is a pretty fancy setup you got here. So you can see the readouts from all the instruments on the conduit? Yeah. We got pressure, flow rate, ambient field strength, how full the batteries are at each of the stations. What about security cameras? Uh, some, but it's a really long pipe. We can't cover every meter of it, and we can't get a live feed from all the ones we do have. The remote stations do a burst transmission of their video logs every 12 hours. 
Unfortunately, the accident at 23 blew out the camera there, and we lost the data. Man, that's some bad luck. Yeah, it is. Here's what we do have. All the telemetry from Station 23 for the last 12 hours before the accident. Huh. Those graphs seem like they're all pretty stable. They are stable. We didn't see any anomalies in that area. But Olaf said he was going out to investigate a strange reading. I know. But I have no idea what he was looking for. And based on the readings, there doesn't seem to be anything there. You think he was just using his instrument wrong? What do you have, some kind of handheld detector? Uh, yeah, just a field strength meter and a mana rad counter for detecting leaks. Nothing fancy, but... Olaf wasn't the most tech-savvy guy, so I don't know. Maybe he didn't understand what he was looking at. I was trying to teach him how to use the equipment, but he hated feeling stupid. He was the kind of guy who would rather fake it than admit he didn't understand. It's not good for an alpha to show weakness. That gets you dead real fast. <laughs> that was the old world. In the new world, not asking questions gets you dead. I guess so. So do you have the battery here? The one that blew up? Uh, yeah. It's uh, in the stockroom. We have to keep it locked up until corporate comes to take a look at it. That's fine. We just like to take a peek at it. You can stay with us the whole time. Make sure we don't mess with it. I'm not sure I'm supposed to do that. Hmm. Good point. Hey, let's go find Elda Tofa and ask her. What do you think she's going to say? Uh, fine. You can look. Just don't touch anything, all right? Fine by me. Lead the way. <laughs> Wow, that is a lot of mana batteries. Yeah, the Elder Tofa ordered an inspection of every battery on the line, checking them all for defects. It's gonna take forever. But isn't it a good idea to check for problems? I mean, your boss already got blown up from one of these things. That, that, that was a freak accident. One in a million. You, you can't seriously be suggesting that would happen again. Werewolves. <laughs> not now. Sorry, she's got no filter between her mouth and her brain. Ignore her. Tell you what, let's take a look at a few of these intact batteries first. Okay. Go ahead. So, you've got a lot of high-tech equipment here. What's one of these batteries worth? Empty? Eh, probably about 400 bucks. Uh-huh. And, uh, when they're full of mana? Oh, thousands. The exact price goes up and down with the demand. Nice chunk of change. Hey, uh, what's this little sticker for? Is that some kind of barcode? Uh, yeah. Uh, we have to track the duty cycles on these things so they don't get overworked. The techs scan them out when they install them on the pipeline and scan them back in after they're full. Then they get scanned again before they get shipped back to Metamore. Got it. So where's that busted battery? It's over here, on the workbench. Ugh, what a mess. I can smell the death man from here. Have a look if you want, but remember, don't touch. The inspector from corporate hasn't had a look at it yet. Alright, I gotcha. Let's see, yeah. We still don't know what happened, but it looks like maybe the control valve got stuck open. 
the battery just kept getting more and more full until it couldn't hold any more mana. And what's that? I said, uh, what's in the code? It looks pretty complicated. Eh, you know, lot number, serial number, expiration date. It's the same stuff that's on this little plate here at the base. Scanning is just a lot faster than typing it all in. Sure, sure. Uh, makes sense. Well, Boulder, I don't want to take up any more of your time. If you can see us back to Elder Topa, then we'll be on our way. Raph, are you sure? We, we just got here. Yeah, nothing else to see here. All right, let's go. I couldn't tell Betty what I'd seen. Not with Walter looking over our shoulders like that. At that moment, I just needed to get us out of there and back to Elder Tofa as soon as possible. Mr. O'Leary, did Balder answer your questions to your satisfaction? You could say that. Good. <coughs> What's next in your investigation? We've got to go back to that battery room. Mm. Is this your idea of a joke, little Luton? You think we have nothing better to do than to walk you back and forth across town? No, ma'am. I just need to show you something in that storeroom, and I don't want Balder there when we do it. Also, we're going to need one of those scanner guns they use to check the batteries in and out, and, and something to read it with. What is this, O'Leary? What are you playing at? I'm playing a hunch, ma'am, but I can't follow up on it if I don't have all the information. <sighs> Very well. I don't have the equipment you're talking about, and I wouldn't know how to use it if I did. <sighs> Fine. Get one other person to help, not somebody who worked directly with the vamps. Someone you can trust. Dagmar, then. I'd trust her with my life. We might be trusting her with all our lives. Let's go. Tophus sent Balder out on an errand across town. Once he was gone, we got Dagmar from the construction site and hurried back to the storeroom. Here we are. What did you want to see, Elder Tofa? Do what the Luton tells you, little pup. Okay, uh, we'll get started with this battery here. Scan it like you would if you were checking it in. Okay. All right. What's it say on your screen there? Uh, the serial number. And then lot 44GH, expiration May 2019. Okay. Now, look at the plate on the battery. What do you see written there? Uh, huh. The serial number is different. And it's lot 65AB, expiration March 2022. I knew it. You knew the battery was mislabeled? How? Details, ma'am. Detective work is all about noticing the details, the little things that don't add up. Come take a look at the busted battery from Station 23. Dagmar, what do you get when you scan this one? Lot 44GG, April 19. And this time it matches the plate. Yep. Now look at the edges of the sticker. You see those little scrape marks? Isn't that just damage from when it blew up? Uh-uh, it's on the wrong side of the battery. Somebody used a tool to do that. Probably a flat screwdriver or something. To do what? To remove the other sticker that was on top of it. Somebody knew this battery was going to get looked at closely. And if the numbers didn't match up, the inspector would notice. I don't get it, Raph. Why does it matter what's on the stickers? Because, Betty Beautiful, somebody took away the old batteries and replaced them with new ones. That doesn't make any sense. Oh, yes it does. A new mana battery costs about 400 marks, right? 
But a battery full of manna is worth thousands. Thousands. That's the con. They're stealing manna. Somebody goes out to the conduit in the middle of the night, pulls off the full battery, swaps in empty ones, and changes the scanner code so nobody knows they've been switched. Unless you actually looked at the base plate and compared the numbers, you'd never notice. Wait, wait. You can't just walk out of town with a bunch of mana batteries. Somebody would see you. How are they getting them out? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Grab one of those mana field detectors and follow me. It's time for a field trip. <laughs> we headed over to the rail yard, where all those freight cars got loaded with rock from the mines. Four of them were already lined up, filled and waiting for the next train out of town. Dagma, if you would be so kind, please point your detector at these train cars and tell me what you find. Whoa. Elder, I'm getting a lot of mana rat coming from this car. Is that so? Uh-oh. Get back! Get away from her! Uh, is she doing what I think she's doing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm seeing what I think I'm seeing. Did you just see that werewolf turn over a loaded train car like she was flipping a dinner table? Yeah. Then... <laughs> yeah. Remind me never to get a werewolf mad at me. I'll add it to the list under dragons and shadow monsters. <laughs> you guys are taking this better than I would have expected. Yeah, this is only like the third or fourth most terrifying thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and I used to live in the sixth house. <laughs> Looks like she's changing back. Um, should we go take a look at the rubble? Yeah. Yeah, it should be okay now. Let me go first. Happily. <sighs> look, Mr. O'Leary. It seems you were right. Mana batteries! There must be at least 30 of them here. All hidden under a pile of nearly worthless rock. And that's just the one car. Dagmar, call the other elders together at the town hall. Do it quietly. I don't want these thieves escaping because word got out. Right away, Elder. O'Leary. You exposed a plot that was robbing my people. For this, you have my thanks. But we still do not know what happened to my son. That's true, ma'am. Maybe one of the batteries the thieves brought in was defective, and it really did blow up by accident. Or maybe they killed Olaf because he was close to finding out what they were doing. Either way, we will find out. We will question the miners and learn who helped them with the scheme. Yeah. A few things you may want to keep in mind about that. Go on. First of all, there's the scanner codes. Whoever helped them it had to be somebody who had access to the inventory system. They had to be able to see which batteries were checked out and print out the phony labels so they could swap in the replacements. Hmm. Yes. And they also had to have somebody from your pack because they were out there twisting off the batteries with their bare hands. I'm guessing that's a lot faster than the tools they're supposed to use, and they wanted to avoid being spotted. Logical. Anything else? Uh, yeah. One more thing. Olaf said he was going out to check the conduit because he was picking up some weird readings from it. 
Of course. If the thieves were stealing mana and swapping in empty batteries, there should be a change in the flow. Even I know that much. Yeah, except Alda showed me the official measurements from that night. The system showed that the flow was smooth and steady. What? That's impossible. I know. They can't both be true. Either the system readings are wrong, or nobody was stealing mana that night. And we have the stolen batteries to show that they were. What are you saying, O'Leary? I'm saying, ma'am, that you might have a much bigger problem than some stolen mana batteries. And if I were you, I'd take a look at the kid who's in charge of running that system. Balder? He was with the advance for two years, ma'am. Believe me, they can brainwash somebody a lot quicker than that. I... <clears throat> I see. Yes. Thank you, O'Leary. <clears throat> I think you had better go back to Metamore. The pack will need to impose discipline. It is not something that outsiders should see. Yes, ma'am. We'll be on the first train out of here. Uh, before you go, I believe you were going to tell me who hired you. Yes, ma'am. It's all here in this letter. Maybe read it after we leave? Hmm. Very well, little illusion. Safe travels to you, and to your guardian. Oh, thank you, ma'am. Well, Betty, I think we'd better grab our luggage and get out of town before the fur starts flying. <laughs> yeah, literally. I'm kind of disappointed, though. Disappointed? We exposed a major con operation, gave the local authorities some solid leads on a murder investigation, I admit it would have been nice to wrap things up a little tighter, but what's to be disappointed about? Well, Dagmar, I never got a chance to wrestle her. <laughs> I think she was really looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, she was. <laughs> what's so funny? Come on, let's get our stuff and get on the train. And on the ride home, I'll explain to you these things called euphemisms. <laughs> A week later, Amelie Grace turned up back at my office. This time, I called her. Boss, Miss Grace is here. Good, send her in. As long as you've got her here, could you ask if there's any way she can end this enchantment early? I'm so ready to be done being human. I'll see what I can do. Hey, Betty. Yeah, boss? I just thought you should know, I really appreciate everything you did for me on that case. Oh, you're welcome, boss. And that dress looks really nice on you. Boss, if you try to make me wear clothes after I change back, I will eat you in your sleep. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> your receptionist is in a good humor today. Hello, Larry. Ms. Grace, please, sit down. I received a message from Tofa Johansson yesterday. She tells me they found the traitors in their midst. Construction of the conduit has been halted, pending their investigation. Apparently your insights were most valuable. Yeah, but they were. Is there a problem, Mr. O'Leary? Ms. Grace, I may be a country boy at heart, 
but I didn't fall off the back of the pony yesterday. <laughs> Meaning? Meaning I know when things don't add up. That little con operation I uncovered in Bytestad, for one. Little? As I understand it, the thieves were smuggling out tens of thousands of marks worth of mana every week. That's hardly little. For a normal person, yeah, you're right. But Malcolm follows ain't a normal person, Grace. 10,000 here, 100,000 there, that's chump change for a guy like him and you know it. Perhaps it wasn't Malcolm who was behind it. Perhaps one of his lieutenants thought to line his own pockets with the scheme. Or perhaps it wasn't the syndicate behind it at all. What are you suggesting, Mr. O'Leary? Look, the syndicate was installing a conduit that would have given them a direct pipeline from the Merc to Metamorph. They rigged the control system in Bytestad so it could show whatever phony readings they wanted it to show. Betty was right. There's no reason for Malcolm to pay the werewolves a fair price when he could just take what he wanted and then cover it up. He had his boy Walter in place as a willing accomplice. They could have stolen millions, tens of millions, and the wares would never be the wiser. All they had to do was avoid getting caught until the conduit was flowing. But instead, a clumsy accident and a small-time con operation blew the whole thing wide open. It all seems just a little too convenient, don't you think? It certainly was an unlucky happenstance for the syndicate. It was even more unlucky for that poor bastard, Olaf. I wonder, did you have him killed on purpose, or was he just in the wrong place at the wrong time? Careful, O'Leary. Don't make claims you aren't prepared to support. Fine. Here's a claim for you. I'm out. You killed an innocent man to hurt the syndicate. And there's a lot of lines I've crossed in this job, but I won't cross that one. You can find somebody else to do your dirty work. You and me, we're through. Are you quite sure, Mr. O'Leary? I know your financial situation has benefited greatly from our arrangement. If the content of this latest mission disturbs you, I can give you other tasks that are less ethically burdensome. Oh, I'm sure you could. Until the next time things get a little tight for me, and then suddenly you'll have a job for me that's just a little bit of a compromise. And when I get comfortable with that, there'll be something else. Just like the Syndicate must have done with Balder to get him on their side. You're a cancel lady, and I'm cutting you out of my life. As you wish, Mr. O'Leary. You aren't making things easy for yourself. <laughs> I ain't never had it easy in my life until I started working for you. Pretty sure I still remember how to get by. Also, my receptionist wants her body back. I'm sure she does. Goodbye, Larry. Life is all about choices. Some are important, and you know they're important. Like when I decided to come to Metamorph. Some really aren't important. And then there's the choices where you don't know they're important until later. Maybe you make a business deal that your gut says you shouldn't, but the money's too good to say no. Maybe you see something that looks crooked, but you tell yourself it's none of your business. Maybe you do a bad thing to hurt a bad guy. Or maybe you don't do those things. Maybe you take the harder road, because it's the honest one. Maybe you make enemies, because you can't go along to get along. Maybe you tell yourself that no matter how bad the bad guy, 
There's things you can't do and still look yourself in the mirror afterward. Those choices matter too. I'm a long way from my tribe, a long way from my home. But I still think about Grandma Yazoo's mountain. When I took Amelie Grace's bargain, I threw a few rocks in the river. Now, hopefully, I can start building it back up again. Hey, boss? You okay? You're looking real serious. <sighs> Just thinking, Betty. I'm all right. Listen, I'm closing up shop for the night, and I was thinking of hitting up that bar on 89th for a drink. You want to join me? At a real bar? With, with other people? Yeah, why not? As long as you're stuck looking human, you might as well get out and enjoy it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Let's go! After you, Betty Beautiful. Thank you, Mr. O'Leary. Boss? Yeah, Betty? Can we get chicken? <laughs> That's the end. Ladies and gentlemen, the Metamore City Players! If you'd like to share your thoughts about the show, send your feedback in text or audio to metamorecityfeedback at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, dial area code 641-715-3900, then enter extension 255082, followed by the pound sign. My Facebook is facebook.com slash author Chris Lester. The fan group is fans of Metamore City on Facebook. And my Twitter handle is Ethereus, E-T-H-E-R-I-U-S. If you like this show, leave me a review on iTunes or visit patreon.com slash author Chris Lester and make a monthly pledge to support the show. Even a small donation makes a big difference. That's our show for this week. I'll be back next time with more fiction, fresh off the writing desk. Until then, keep it on the bright side. This is Chris Lester, signing out. The contents of this podcast are copyright 2017 by Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. The show is released under a Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. So don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. For more information about this license, please visit creativecommons.org.